we go ahead and do our tags. Right. Good morning, world. Welcome to this edition of the Early Morning Sports Talk Podcast. Uh, I'm Jamar Goodman here. It is Saturday morning, February 5th. Uh, right now, it shows two degrees on my phone, but what else is new? It is February. Uh, <laughs> this week, uh, definitely was interested in sports. Uh, uh, if you've been under a rock, Brian Flores' name is all over the news for definitely good reasons. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, the Winter Olympics kicked off. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the curling thing, you know. Um, also, one of my favorite movies, Cool Running, you know, Jamaica bobsled. They actually qualified for three bobsledding events. That's that's remarkable for myself. <laughs> Classic. Um, you know, NBA All-Stars, you know, the reserves was announced. We might touch on that, too. Uh, you know, Bears look like they finally finished up their, their coaching vacancy hiring process. You know, shout out to them. Uh, but all in all, man, you know, February is actually just a good month. Super Bowls around the corner here. Um, but before we get into any of that, uh, I want to introduce uh, my two co-hosts here. Uh, Mr. Brandon Price, how you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning, Warren. How are you guys? Good morning, Jamar. Uh, morning. Appreciate you, brother. Anytime. Uh, and then also, Mr. Ian here, how you doing this morning, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good, man. Blessed to be alive. Yes, sir. All right. So, you know, NFL, uh, before we get into the, the real juicy news here, um, you know, shout out to somebody on this panel who actually predict the, the Cincinnati Bengals to go into the Super Bowl here. Um, <laughs> so Super Bowl matchup is set. We got the Cincinnati Bengals uh, going against... Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium, basically the second straight year that the home team is hosting the Super Bowl here. Uh, just really quick, let's just uh, dial it back to, to the AFC Championship game where, you know, Joe Cool comes through once again, second half team, 
do their thing. They end up winning overtime 27-24. Uh, you know what? We're we going to start with the guy that actually picked the game correctly, uh, Ian. Like, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, on the Bengals game, um, man, Joe, he just – he got that swagger about him, man. He's real cool up under pressure. You don't show no emotions. You like to see that in a leader, man. You like to see that in a leader. Uh, I was surprised the Chiefs, you know, they came out in the second half and then um, they didn't execute. Uh, I think a big pivotal moment, I didn't like the call. Um, at the end At the end of the half, they went forward on, um, I think it was like third and goal. You see the third and goal or fourth and goal, but it was only five seconds left. Right. And instead of taking the points, they tried to run a play and they didn't get, they ended up getting no points. It was in the goal line between the five and they ended up getting no points. I felt like that was a big pivotal moment. I was like, that wasn't too smart, but I guess they figured they was up three touchdowns and, you know, they're going to come back out and they got the ball back right at the halftime and they ended up getting no points. And I mean, got to give it to the Bengals defense, man. Like Brandon said, they, they locked down and shut them out pretty much. Yeah. They did. Speaking of the Bengals defense, I know Brandon definitely wanted to highlight that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna highlight, I'm gonna highlight Joe Cool a little bit as well, right? So Joe Burrow, y'all was very smooth. And you're right, and and bringing up that point, they were down, y'all, 24-3. You go in, you think the game's over. Like, you know, this, 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 this is a this is a done deal. You know, the Chiefs are up. Man, they, they, they got one of the best offenses we've ever seen. Everything just leads to the Chiefs, right? But, like you mentioned, Joe Cool come out of nowhere, cool and collective. They get that touchdown, right? They get that touchdown at the very first possession of the third quarter. And you're like, all right, now we got a game. And we know how Cincinnati offense can play. And once that happened, they just started clicking. Joe Mixon got alive. Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Goodman state that Jamar Chase got the best name in the world. Jamar <laughs> Chase get, he get cool and he get active. And so all these weapons that Cincinnati got, they get going, right? They get going. But I, I do want to highlight the defense, y'all. Um, what's this kid's name? Only thing I know, man, is his last name is Hutchison. He is a defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is his coming out party, y'all, this postseason. And he has been wreaking havoc. Primarily, I use as an example, y'all, when the Chiefs was running down on that last drive to win the game, I'm sure Ian and you and Jamar and whomever is watching were thinking, yes, the Chiefs are going to win this game. They're going to score a touchdown. The only question we have is if they score a touchdown, will they leave enough time? And is that smart enough to leave time for Joe Burrow? And so the Chiefs were wondering this, y'all, which made them play their role in regards to being careful to try to get a touchdown, to not have enough time for Joe Burrow and that great Bengals offense to get back on the field. But what held the Chiefs y'all in check, and you, you guys seen this, Jamar, was the defensive front for the Cincinnati Bengals. They were all over Patrick Mahomes once he got in the red zone and he got like near the touchdown. Number 97, Hutchison, all on the man back. Everywhere he went, he was with him, which made it very, very difficult for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense to do what they really wanted to do. And so those two scenarios, the defensive line, as well as them worrying about Joe Burrow, 
I believe cost the Chiefs. But on the other hand, as well, that first half, I don't know what they were thinking there, not going for the three points, but trying to be greedy. And this is what came to my mind. The Chiefs were greedy. They were trying to run up the score, thinking that they were going to the Super Bowl, not realizing that the Bengals was a good football team and that they, this postseason, they've been making money off of mistakes. That's how they bank their bread, the Cincinnati Bengals. And so the defense, I give them major props because on that possession and overtime, y'all, the same guy that was running his mouth, number 24, ain't been having the best career in the NFL, right? But get traded to the Cincinnati Bengals and, and he come up clutch. Mr. Eli Apple, mm-hmm. Mr. Big Mouth, he came up and he showed clutch in that overtime against the uh, against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, picking Patrick Mahomes off. Even prior to that, on that play before, if y'all was watching, he had a chance to pick him off before that. And so mm-hmm. you see the Chiefs' uh, offense, I'm shocked. I'm like, wow, the Cincinnati Bengals' defense stepped up. And on the other hand, this is the last thing I want to say, Jamar, the Kansas City Chiefs' defense is a fraud. This whole postseason, they ain't did nothing. I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs defense, Jamar, can't stop the park U-Haul truck. I feel like the U-Haul truck got a chance to get a couple uh, touchdowns on them. The way they defense play, they are terrible. They can't stop the park car. Teron Matthew always running his mouth. And I'm sure, like, he he does his part to be a leader of that defense. But to Ron Matthew, bro, you got to do better you in that defense. Y'all can't stop the park car. Outside of you and maybe Chris Jones, yeah, like, I, I mean, they they are, they they were so lucky against Buffalo. Very <laughs> lucky. Mahomes. Very lucky. That's why, <laughs> that's why they picked them. They, they should have been out the second round, Jamar. But it caught up with them against Joe Burrow. Uh-huh. Who, who once the once the Bengals defense stepped up, and the Bengals offense had a chance to go against that Chiefs defense, me, my wife, and my one year old knew that the Bengals were going to go down and kick a field goal. We just knew it. We like ain't no way the Kansas City Chiefs defense finna stop uh-huh. a park car. They finna go right down and score, and that's exactly what Cincinnati did. And so Kansas City. You're going to have a long golf season, and you better show up that defense if you want to make the most of the Patrick Mahomes era. Big facts. Big facts. I mean, we we, we all know the week prior, uh, Josh Allen threw the game when it touched down. We, 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 we knew. But, yeah. you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you know, came, showed up special in that moment with those 13 seconds left. But to this game here, so the most impressive stat to me in this game is – the fact that Joe Burrow was only sacked one time. This was the most sacked quarterback in the whole league. The week prior, I mean, Tennessee got him nine times. Uh, Mark, can I say something, bro? And and this is why I was having a hard time picking the the Bengals in the playoffs. It's because as a Bears fan, I remember watching the Bengals and the Bears and how our defense dominated their offensive line. And I'm like, how are they going to get to the Super Bowl? Well, they still got there because they had a great defense 
and they had a pretty cool quarterback that did enough. He managed enough, y'all. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He did what was required of him to be smart with the football. That helped the Bengals. Not in the Super Bowl. Nobody expected it. Boom, Bengals in the Super Bowl. Hey, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're also playing with house money. Well, I mean, when, when you and have that's no dangerous. pressure. Ooh, that's dangerous. Yeah. It is. When you have no pressure and you, you know, I no mean, they, they are young. They are young with no pressure. I mean, that's that like like you said, it's dangerous. Like they have nothing to lose, so they're gonna give you their all. One thing for sure, uh, the Bengals have been a second half team in this postseason. Ask ask the Raiders, even though you know the Bengals was controlling that game, but in the second half they really you know turned it up a notch. Ask Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans of that second mm-hmm. half of the game, um, and definitely ask the Kansas City Chiefs because they saw it twice in like a month span. The second yeah. half of games. That's season. facts because that first game, Kansas City was beating their brakes. They were beating yep. the brakes off of them earlier Jeff in the Light. game. That is facts, bro. They turned it Light up. They turned it to a shootout. Yep. And so I feel like definitely the momentum changed at the end of the first half. Five seconds left at the goal line. So Patrick Mahomes was either supposed to throw that ball in the end zone or throw it away so they can get points. And the fact that he decided to throw the ball to Tyree Kill. <laughs> and, you know, outside the end zone and trying to help for him to make a play with so little time left. That 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 was a buzz kill. And with a team that is, you know, dangerous for for reasons we just gave. I mean, they they smell blood. They they think they seek the opportunity there and they capitalize. Um and real quick, I I know the Bengals, you know, have been doing their thing. This this Eli Apple person. Guy, he, I don't know, he, he just grinds my gears because he, he, to me, he's the worst starting cornerback in the whole league. But, but hey, I mean, <laughs> he's still but hey, but hey he, postseason, man. He got, uh, he got had he a got, magical postseason. I mean, he got, uh, the just, he got uh, uh, I mean, he could talk, he could talk his talk, man. He shut, uh, he shut Tyreek down. I don't think he caught a, he didn't catch a pass in the second half or overtime, did he? Tyreek Hill, he, he, he was, um, he was. He was locked. We can at least say that. We didn't see no yeah, big moments think, from him. I, I don't I don't think he really did. I mean, the yeah. Chiefs in the first half was just perfect. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns. Three drives, that, I believe. Except the, yeah. except the last except drive. Except the last drive, yep. Yeah. They was basically on the same pace of how the uh, Buffalo Bills was doing the New England Patriots in that first, mm-hmm. in that first <laughs> round game. And then, you know, everything just unraveled. Yeah, like Chief I tell it. people, against the Chiefs, my game plan would be we're gonna take till rekill out the game. We're gonna double team and take him out the game. Uh I could live with Travis Kelsey getting his number, but he's not gonna be enough. And I'm not a believer in a run game, man. That's basically what happened. That's basically what happened in the second in that second half. We took Tyreek out the game, took him out the game plan. Running game ain't really do much. And, hey. and just based on the stats, just looking at the run game. Like, the run game didn't do much because they didn't give him the ball. Because if you look at it, McKinnon, 12 carries for 65 yards. That's five and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Edwards Hilaire, six yards for 36 yards, six yards a carry. I mean. That's not bad. That's not. Like, just continue to run the ball. That's what they should have did in the second half. They like, run it. the ball. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, a lot of blame, I think, goes to the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Uh, between uh, – uh, Andy Reid, the officer coordinator there, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, they they take blame. Patrick Mahomes take blame. 
in that it's defense they bring. <laughs> yes. They're they gonna have to they don't have to make some sacrifices on offense for that defense because that defense. Oh, that's facts, bro. That's, that's why facts. That's that's the number reason number one reason why I didn't pick them. Even if they went to the Super Bowl, I knew the defense was gonna come back and haunt them. They should have lost to Buffalo. But I picked Buffalo, should have lost to Buffalo, yeah. but it came back and I was just like, that's crazy. Man, bro, you, you sound like you preaching. You heard what he said, Jamar. He said the offense needs to make some sacrifices for the defense. <laughs> he do. <laughs> I mean, but according to Dwayne's point, I mean, they, they can afford no defense. Look at where their money is tied in at all on offense. So I guess that's where the sacrifices need to be made, right? So you got to make some executive decisions here. I mean, you got, you know, Tyron Matthews, Chris Jones, but I mean, the corners itself is trash. You know, linebackers need to, it, it's basically a lot of work that needs to be done there. Something got to give. Right. Maybe they yeah, trade um, high profile and get some draft picks. You build through the draft. That might be their best bet to build because their cap is tied up with the half a billion dollar man. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's going to have to right. restructure. That's a lot of money on the offense. Definitely. And Dominique McKinney, y'all, he stated um, he needs to learn how to throw the ball away um, with Patrick Mahomes. That's a good fact, Dominique, because yeah. if he would have threw the ball away, like, on some of those plays and not took those sacks, it's a different ball game. It, it, it really, really is. These are the things Joe Burrow didn't do. Joe Burrow, Joe Cool didn't make mistakes. But right. the other teams got, you know, what you want to call slippery fingers. They just got nervous, man. The Bengals put them under that pressure. And so he's saying they need to learn how to slide properly and need to learn how to throw the ball away. Maybe that's something Patrick Mahomes should think about. I mean, I, I think with him, it, it'll come definitely with, you know, more and more gains of wisdom and age and experience. Right. Uh, I mean, some of the younger quarterbacks, you know, you know, they just trying to make every play happen. You know, time time happens. I mean, we'll we'll see if he actually does that. So the other game, Chiefs got greedy. They blew it. They did. So the team that uh, the Bengals are seeing, the Rams, took care of business twenty seventeen against the the Forty Niners. I mean, that was. That was I mean, Forty Nine. It was. You know, 49ers had, you know, won six straight against Sean McVay entering that game. That means for the last three years, you know, Kyle Shanahan has owned McVay. But, you know, defense came up when it needed to be. Uh, your boy Jimmy G, uh, we'll get into that in a second. But <laughs> matter of fact, let, let, let me ask uh, the Jimmy G supporter, like, what, what are your thoughts of this game here? Break it down for us, man, Jimmy G analyst. <laughs> well, first and foremost, um. It was, it was a lot, uh, let's say a lot of similarities, right, in the first half. One team dominated in the first half, um, and you kind of walk away like, man, you know, is this going to be a blowout, really? But I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, like, wow, San Francisco done definitely jumped on this team. They the won six straight against them. Uh, they tend to own the Rams. Kyle Shanahan once was a um, – he was under, right? So – Sean McVay was under Kyle Shanahan at one point. So I'm like, wow, like all these different things is showing up again. Rams right there at home, y'all. Potential to host the Super Bowl. I'm like, are they getting sweaty palms too? Like, are, are, are they literally getting sweaty palms? Like the Rams. It's all this pressure of all these individuals that came. OBJ, Von Miller, 
all these big high name profile guys that I'm paid to the Rams for a Super Bowl, it's all this literally like in their head right now and they get nervous and sweaty palms. However, they did not. The Rams, y'all, are so good, uh, Jamar, that even if they're down in the game, all it takes is a few plays. We've been saying that this entire year. Cooper Cup, y'all, for me, y'all, right now is the non-quarterback. Non Outside of a quarterback, he's the MVP of the league, hands down. This dude is unstoppable, practically. Like, whenever the moment is, has arisen this postseason – and whether the moment y'all has arisen this entire season, Cooper Cup has been there for sure. He has been reliable. He has been magnet with his hands, and he has been balling out. Cooper Cup, man, this dude um, has been on another stratus for this entire season. And so, guys, um, we found out additionally about Jimmy G. I have been a Jimmy G supporter, okay? And my, my stance, y'all, with Jimmy G was that Jimmy G – was a good quarterback. He was a winner. He proved that to me, y'all. He made the NFC Championship. He managed enough games. He did not turn the ball over, do a lot of crazy things. He did enough to complement his overall team to get them to where they were. Yes, he didn't have the spectacular numbers. He didn't have the spectacular wild plays like, ooh, ah. But at the same time, y'all, Jimmy G was a great compliment for the 49ers and their overall identity. And so that added up to why that team was in the NFC championship and came down to the last drive of the game. But this is my point. And this is what we all been talking about all season, all week. Jimmy G, we knew at one point in, uh, just at a certain point, he just wasn't that dude to where you felt like he was going to lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl win. If the 49ers were going to get there, it was going to be off their defense. It was going to be off special teams. It was going to be off Cal Shanahan. And it was going to be off maybe a few lucky plays, a few clutch plays from Jimmy G. But at that moment, his clutchness ran out, y'all, because Jimmy G could not, he could not figure out that Rams defense. That defensive line was getting to him. Jenny Ramsey and them guys locked in. Um, and, and from that point on, Jimmy G, I just knew it. Everybody knew it once that last drive hit. We knew Jimmy G was going to drive them down the field. We knew it was. We knew it wasn't going to happen. And so now here we are with the real um, question here is where does Jimmy G go now? Because as similar to Kansas City with Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes was waiting in the woods. As Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers was waiting right there in the woods. And now we got a Trey Lance that we know finna light it up, finna light it up. And the Niners is going to be dangerous with Trey Lance um, because, you know, Jimmy G was great, but he just wasn't that dude. I wasn't that dude. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I mean, we we definitely, well, a lot of us knew that, but I guess you figured it out there. Uh, <laughs> be quiet, Jamar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Ian, how, how how did the Rams like you know dominate this game when it came down to it, man? Uh, I mean later on in the game, just defense. Uh, the 49ers, I mean they could have walked. It could could have went either way. They could have walked away with the game. They had a big. Um, I think it was I don't know how to say his name, Jartarius Tark or something like that. I think he dropped an interception with like six yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. As a matter of fact, that, that whole scenario, ball right in his hands, he dropped it. And I think the very next play, the um, the corner yeah. had a helmet to helmet. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Was, yeah, that was crazy. And that's that how good the Rams game. is. Turn that into 40 yards. Just like that. Mm-hmm. It was that was a big turn and play. Uh it was a pretty, it was a pretty back and forth game. Um at one point you you might have thought that the 49ers was going to just gonna pull it out again, but I mean, the Rams, they defense showed up. Uh, even Jalen Ramsey, he dropped a, he dropped a pick six. I thought yep. hit him right in, hit him right in the numbers. I was like, oh my god, Jalen, what are you doing? But uh, I mean, it was a pretty good game. Uh, it's hard to be somebody time and time and over again. But I mean, he's had, like you said, Kyle Shanahan's had his number for a while now. So um, it was good to see. Uh, it was good to see Matthew Stafford, uh, OBJ. I was, it was good to see those guys win and uh, get to the Super Bowl. It, it was good to see them guys win. I think, I think that was Jimmy G's last game. Where he goes, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I can't. Yeah. I don't know where he's gonna start. He'd probably be a backup, man. Maybe, I mean, maybe he got a chance. Maybe to just a, maybe just a thought, Washington, because I know Washington doesn't have a quarterback. But, uh, I mean, Denver too. Do Denver really trust Teddy Bridgewater? Like, maybe, but I don't I think, think so. I, it, I mean, if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go there, I think they kind of sold. I, they putting all their eggs in one basket with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think they want to win now. And rightfully so. They got the team with an offense to pretty much win. That defense is pretty solid. But, uh, um, yeah, I think that was Jimmy G's last game. Uh Cooper Cup and Odell, they showed up big time. They showed up big time. Like you said, every big moment, it was either Cooper Cup or Odell. They showed up. They showed up. It got Baker Mayfield looking kind of um, mm. looking kind of not so good over there in Cleveland. It was, everybody blamed it on Odell over there. But uh, it was good to see those guys win. It was good to see Matt Stafford and uh, Odell finally get over there, hump and get to the Super Bowl. Man. Like, you know, what well, I guess let's, let's let me start with Od- Odell, man. I guess what a quote unquote redemption story, right? Just just from the, the bad narrative that was created around him from the end of the Giants era to the whole Cleveland Browns era to, to you know, linking up with Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford and resurrecting his career, quote unquote. Um, this man had over 100 yards receiving. They said that's the first 100 yard game in about 33 games or so. Yeah. Like, just th- take that in consideration. I mean, this dude was known as a cancer in the locker room, and he's been everything but because I haven't heard any Odell Beckham news of any type of distractions or anything. Matter of fact, they got a whole bunch of Eagles, uh, egos, and, uh, you know, big-name players on that team, and I haven't heard a single peep about any, like, you know, distractions with anybody. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and I and I give credit to Sean McVay there just to be, be able to balance those personalities, get everybody to buy in and try to get this thing done. I mean, this game here in particular, the defense, you know, like actually controlled the line of scrimmage. Like San Francisco has known to be a physical team. I mean, they have physical penalties. Um, Their offense is probably the most physical offense in the league. And yet, when it came down to it, the Rams, yeah, the second half, fourth quarter, that defensive line actually like started to create havoc. And I haven't seen Jimmy G run around that bad in, in I don't know how long. And so, you know, kudos to them. And, you know, shout out to Matthew Stafford, you know, who had a bunch of pressure coming to him this whole post, I mean, this whole season. 
This man has showed up in the postseason. This man threw for 337 yards in, in this game against a, a San Francisco defense who is not bad at all whatsoever. I mean, granted, both both teams couldn't run the football to save their life, but, I mean, when it came down to it, the big stars made the big plays when the game mattered the most. And as far as Jimmy G, I mean, I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but I will say this. In this day and age, I am not trusting a quarterback that's relying on play action for me to win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl at this point. I am not doing it. That means Ryan Tannehill. That means uh, Baker Mayfield, whenever he see a postseason game. Uh, Jimmy G, they all one in the same. I, I know Deshaun, uh, shout out to Deshaun, posted that meme with the Spider-Man with all three of their faces on it. That's who they are. They are all one in the same. Play action, reliant quarterbacks. I need me a gunslinger that can go out and win me a game. Ask Joe Burrow. So, so yeah. Um, and as far as where Jimmy G goes, I don't know yet. But I will say this. He probably is going to have an opportunity to start because, to my understanding, this quarterback class that's coming out is not good at all. You're not going to see a number one overall pick being a quarterback this year. And from what I heard come out of Todd McShay's mouth, uh, the quarterbacks that went last year, one through five, if they was available in this draft, those same quarterbacks go through one through five. And then the best quarterback in this class will go six. So, so basically, you're going to see a lot of veterans moving around and probably be in starting positions next year. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Cause I know um, it's a number of defensive guys, including uh, Mr. Hutchison from Michigan, that uh, is likely to be the number one pick this year. Yeah. It is a defensive heavy draft in that regard. All right. So, we're going to get into the other news that, you know, kind of disrupt the, the whole, you know, sports world in the NFL. Uh, Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins head coach, is suing the NFL multiple teams for, you know, alleging racial discrimination in the hiring process. Um, there, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you all do the unpacking. But just, I guess, just... Like, are we surprised? And like, what what do you think is going to come out of this situation? Um, I'll start. Uh, hmm. No, we're not surprised. It's, I mean, everybody pretty much knows why these why these uh why these gentlemen are not getting hired. Uh, we got a lot of we got Blind Flores, um, Hugh Jackson, uh. Byron Leftwich, uh, Eric Benenemy from the Chiefs. You have, uh, I even heard Marvin Frazier from the Bills. Yeah. I mean, I, all these guys have fantastic seasons, all of them. Yeah, I even heard uh, Marvin Lewis on a podcast recently say he wanted to get back in coaching. Um, he's been at Arizona State with uh, Herm Edwards. Um, Defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah, D'Amico Ryan. Now, now real, real quick, the Marvin Lewis one, that's the one he, he can stay stay away because his, his <laughs> tenure, nah. Tenure for Cincinnati, else, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, continue, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of guys that's um, that's eligible and that's, you know, that's proven they're proven uh, to be to be pretty decent coaches and, you know, they just don't get a shot and, um I mean, it's no other reason. It's, you can't say they don't win or you can't say, you know, they don't have the competency to 
to lead a team. They, I mean, they've all they've all led teams. They all did a great job. I've seen special team coaches get head coaching jobs. Like, I mean, in my thought process, I thought you would, you know, come from, you know, maybe special teams uh, to defensive coordinator or another position coach or, you know, I've never seen a special teams coach jump all the way to head coach. That's just because he coached for a Pacific team that that still baffles me to this day. I mean, he, he doesn't coach there anymore, but it, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, it's nothing new. It's just like in the world with any other thing, you know, it's a, it's always a race thing. They try to, try to say it's not or try to make excuses or but it always comes out to be a race thing i mean people of our color we know that a lot of and the, the world knows that you know so it's it's nothing new it's sad you know um we only have one we don't have one black head coach in the nfl right now yep. it's mike tomlin and it sucks because the black coaches they get held to a certain standard that these other coaches don't Mike Tomlin probably only has a job because of the organization he works for, and he doesn't have he hasn't had a losing record in what over two seasons ever. Yeah, that's that's not e- in the NFL. That's not even. I mean, everybody's gonna have a losing season, uh, a season here or two. You know, that's just. I mean, it's NFL. I mean, that's just how things work. You know, everything's not gonna be perfect. We got injuries. Uh, it's a lot of variables that go into it, but it's. I mean, it's sad, and to be honest, I don't, I don't really think it's gonna change. They have this whole Rooney Rule thing, but I mean, I'm, those those owners, they're not taking, they're not taking that serious, and it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's sad, and it's, it's never gonna change. And I think that's why you see a lot of, a lot of coaches taking the HBCU route because um, it's uh, it's just, it's sad, you know, you know, these other guys, they get a shot and. Those guys don't be qualified, and they and they prove it when they go out there every Sunday and they get get blown out. Now you know Brian Flores, you, you see things. Uh, these coaches are getting paid to to lose, you know, to to savage their careers just for a little. I mean, for a little incentive, and to make them look bad, then just to go fire them to go hire you know another coach the next season. That's that's pretty sad. That's not that's that's, that's messed up. Yeah. Screwed up, bro. That's sad. That's um, yeah. It's um, it's sad and it's sickening, but it's sad that you know we're used to it, you know. So, I think he, I think he said, uh, he feel like his NFL coaching career is over. It, more than likely, it is, you know. But I, I respect, I respect the brother, you know, for for stepping forward and um, taking uh taking advantage of an opportunity to put these guys on front street, man, and let. Let them see what's what's really going on, cause I can, I can almost bet it's some pretty, it's some pretty wild things going on behind closed doors. I tell it to people a lot of time. I really don't believe a lot, you know, that they put on Sports Center. I believe a little bit, but I like to hear it out of those guys' mouth, you know, um, cause they'll never show you what's really going on behind closed doors. And now, these last couple of years, we've been seeing what's going on. Like even the thing with the John Gruden, the emails and all that, I can imagine what's what's going on behind closed doors. It's just it's been a while last two years. So I, no, I mean, we're not surprised. It's just it's just one of those things. It's you never really understand until you get until you, until you get our age, but it it's truly hard being a black man in America on, on all levels, from coaching to 
judicial system they're just going to work every day just going outside and just living a normal life it's hard you you don't you you hear your you hear older people say it all the time we you know when you're a kid but you don't really realize you know we kids we just trying to have fun and but i mean you see it every day man it's, it's sad it's sad yeah bro that's facts and um it is definitely um very hard being a black male in america this is just another prime example and sometimes, Shamar, folks look at me like I'm crazy when I point out race on the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast page. It might offend some people. It really do, but I could give two shits. And the reason why is because, like you say, and you say it's sad. My question then becomes with these type of things, what action are we taking to make this something that is no longer sad, something that is no longer acceptable, something that is just not the norm? I, I can't sit back and allow it, not me. I got to do my part to speak out on it. And so, as example, with Brian Flores, Jamal, I'm very proud of him, bro. And I'm proud of him because he's putting the truth out there and he's not afraid to admit the truth. We uh, know very good and well as football fans, you cannot point to Brian Flores. And you can't say that he was a bad coach. You, 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 you can't say that. There's no way in hell you can say that. Not with what he dealt with and how he had that team on the crust of the playoffs um, and the winning record last year. Um, and not to mention the turnaround from the first season in which we are learning that he was paid to tank games. <laughs> like, literally, ownership, dirty. I mean, filthy. Steven Rawshaw, if he did that, I tell you what, Jamar, if he did that, he needs to be banned from being an owner in the NFL going forward, period. Facts. He don't need to be an owner of no, no team, period, because that is foul. Oftentimes, we got to tell the truth in – a lot of these black hair coaches, and it's just like in the NBA, Jamar, they are given a job and people are like, yeah, we got a black hair coach. But us know as real football fans and people with common sense that they are given bad situations from the jump. Uh-huh. They are given bad situations from the jump to make them fail. And they know it. As example, David Cully, y'all, look at the situation David Cully was given. What any natural coach, like, do you expect any natural coach to win with that team, that scenario, all that he faced the entire offseason? I mean, literally to the regular season, all with Deshaun Watson, depleted roster. And, ne- and guess what, y'all? That team played hard for David Cullen. I firmly felt that the way they played Jamar, I felt like David Kelly did not deserve to be fired based off of how that team played and some of the bright spots we saw this season from that Texas defense and a little bit of improvement we saw from David Mills, Davis Mills. Uh Those were a few bright spots. So, you know, all these different things, there's proof that (laughs) there's proof that black hair coaches can lead men and that they can lead NFL franchises. Haven't we had plenty of examples? Our Chicago Bears, my Chicago Bears has not been the same since Lovey Smith left. They haven't been the same since he left. Literally, mm-hmm. our team, we had an identity. We were a playoff team. We might have not had the best quarterback, but our defense and everything else, our special teams, we did pretty damn good with Lovey Smith. And Chicago is a great example of a black head coach that can lead a franchise. Marvin Lewis as an example. I mean, I know Marvin Lewis, Jamar, choked a lot, but he at least led them to the playoffs a few seasons. 
They okay. had a number of playoff bursts. And so getting to the playoffs ain't the easiest of things. And he had the Bengals at least in the playoffs. And so I know I all it. the other stuff from I know, I know, I know. But can we at least point out the fact that he at least led that team to the playoffs a number of times, although he had 100 opportunities. And when I say 100 opportunities, I mean 100 seasons. But he did lead them to the playoffs, okay? And so there's various examples. Marvin Lewis, I mean, as an example, let's not forget, he was the defensive coordinator at 2000 Ravens defense, which is known as the greatest defense of all time outside of our Chicago Bears, 1985. <laughs> so... Yes. I mean, we have various proof in the pudding, y'all, of great black hair coaches. And the NFL, guess what? If you don't fix this, we point this out on the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast, your ratings, your business, and your numbers will decline from the black community, I promise you. You keep on putting this race bait crap out here and keep on thinking that blacks just going to deal with it and not stand up for what's real. You guys are fools, and your money will lead you to a toilet stool. And I'm gonna leave it at that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you all one more question, but my apologies, I didn't give more insight to the people that don't know. So, so in this in this lawsuit, there was definitely like three things to highlight here. One, uh, the Broncos gave him a bogus interview back in 2019, where basically he reported that. I guess Elway and, and all them showed up, showed up drunk and basically, you know, just basically just showed up to, you know, fulfill the Rooney rule. Yep. Me personally, I've had a job interview to where I showed up and it was like, Hey, you just having to be my last interview before going to lunch. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get out. Come on. I, I already We've all been there. Point. Yes. I already knew I wouldn't get a job. They just want yep. to fulfill the number just yep. for the skin. That's it. So, so I've, I've been there. Um, uh, second, Bill Belichick, you know, mistakenly congratulated him, you know, uh, when he thought he was talking to Brian uh, Dable uh, uh, three three uh, days prior to him interviewing with the Giants job. So that that whole scenario just wild within itself. And then, you know, mentioned earlier with uh, uh, not, uh, Stephen Ross, the owner, you know, wanted to pay this man to tank games. But also on top of that, he allegedly wanted him to, uh, you know, uh, tamper with Tom Brady to get him to sign there. In the same all season, so between Tank for Tua and signing Tom Brady, I mean, so that's that. And Brian Flores, I'm just gonna read a statement that he said here. He said, "Quote: God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals." And making the decision to file the class action uh, complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is by standing up against systematic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come, unquote. So this man, he already know what he's sacrificing here. And if, uh, if you didn't hear, you know, Hugh Jackson the other day, you know, he said he was paid. and He actually took the money. I mean, I guess his integrity isn't the greatest. But anyway, he came out and admitted he took money uh, to take games with the Browns. I mean, the Browns was, what, what, one in 30-something? One or 20, no, three and 36 three in his yeah. tenure so that no that's just you know i guess somewhat some type of evidence within itself i mean the team wasn't good to begin with but i mean adding a sense of the to take money he was I mean, given like one of worse. the worst situations ever in cleveland like it was terrible Whew. yeah yeah and then you know they just you know kicked them to the curve you know that's that and then Lastly, before I ask my last question here on this subject, I mean, like you mentioned, Brian Flores, you know, three three seasons with the uh, with the, uh, the Dolphins, 
in the first year they started off 0 and 7 but they finished 5 and 4 and in that and if I'm not mistaken the last game of the season you know they beat the New England Patriots you know kicked Tom Brady out the first round by ended up playing the Tennessee Titans and that was the last game in the Patriots uniform for, for what I remember there uh second season you know they went 10 to 6 you know we we remember how great of a you know wild card you know try to get in that that year five teams fight four spots that was incredible and then you know this past season they started off 1 and 7 two was hurt they, they had a seven-game losing streak and then had a seven-game winning streak. First time ever in the history of that. And they actually had a chance to, you know, get into the playoffs at the end of the year. So he he, he was done dirty, in my opinion, in that regard. And so, like Ian mentioned, Mike Thomas, the only head, black head coach left in the NFL right now. So my last question to this subject is, why is the Mooney rule failing? It's failing. It's clear it's failing. Yeah. Why is it failing? Um, I mean, to be honest, it's simple. I mean, they, they don't care. It's a, it's, um, it's a fraternity or a shield that they have to protect. And it's just full of white guys. And, you know, you know, it's different in all the other leagues, you know, they actually care about the players and it's even deeper than the, the Rooney rule, but, um, that's another, that's another topic, but I mean, they, I mean, those guys, they don't care. I mean, I mean, it shows. Um, text messages coming out and, you know, emails and, I mean, just look at the coaches. I mean, we have one black coach, uh, one black head coach, uh, like Brandon stated, you know, they all get put in, they all get put in situations where, you know, they expect these guys to win a Super Bowl and the team that they go to, they have no direction. You know, uh, they sell these guys a dream. Oh, we'll give you this these many years, and you know we'll do this. And you know they get there, they really have no say so over the roster. As uh, Hugh Jackson was saying, they have no say so over the roster, so they basically just give you here, make this happen. And right, and if you don't, you know you're getting fired. So um, that just tells me, you know, you never really wanted to hire me in the beginning, or you never really wanted me to succeed. You just want to hire me to prove a point. And, um, you know, get one of your guys in here. Or you really don't care. Or you can have an owner that don't care. Just cares about, you know, putting uh, butts in the seats. And that's all that matters, you know. So, now nah, I mean, they, they don't care. And, it, you know, it shows. It shows. The action shows. Facts, man. Um, and in regards to this Rooney Rule felling, y'all, I mean, Ian, man, you hit it. Like, you hit a very critical point. Um, and I would also just like to say, man, um, you know, outside of what Ann just stated with the fraternity and that these white guys definitely do want to keep these white guys as they know each other. They really do. They probably play golf together. I'm telling y'all, the world is a lot smaller than you think. Uh, it's a lot smaller than you think, for real, for real. And I would not be surprised that if an owner of Exxon Mobile that owns an NFL team knows an owner of BP, I'm just saying, hypothetically. And so with all these different things, you got that going on. But I believe, Jamar, there's a fear from these owners, the fear of black power, the fear of if you have these guys in these positions um, and they succeed, how it'll make them look, how it possibly will make the image of America look. Racism is real. Racism is very real. And fear is very, very real. The second fear I have, y'all, is they do believe that a lot of these guys are incompetent. Not competent, but incompetent. And so it's just like this, right? If you send a black guy in an all-way place, right, and he go do something wrong, right, 
guess what the white folks gonna think, y'all? Oh, if he did it, then the next black person might do the same thing. Or the next black person, they, you know, it's possible if he did it, they gonna do it. And, and that's how it rolls. And so if Hugh Jackson go do go three and 36, if Leslie Frazier not do well with Minnesota, if we got all these head coaches, which once again, they're put in bad positions from the jump, don't have no authority, like you say, uh, and all these instances happen, they go believe in that, hey, this is, you know, the trend no, and, and this is I not going to happen. And so lastly, my last thing, y'all, is it's like now – a lot of these owners and they're kind of looking at like they will kind of want like a Sean McVay type. They want this white, white, smart, at least appear to be smart, intellectually offensive, innovative mind that yeah. will lead their men. And they want a white face to do that. Yeah. Very, very important. Because guess what, y'all? White faces in the NFL leads its customer base happy most fans at an nfl game if y'all been and i know y'all been they're white folks those are the folks they faithfully buy them tickets like they go to church uh-huh. like it's their life they will buy them tickets rain hail sleep or snow the owners know that and so guess what if you got a business and you do what you do to keep your customer base happy period and sadly enough, this is part of the reasons why the Rooney rule are felling. Although, Jamar, I think we know there's a few more, too. A lot more. Sorry. Not a few. Yeah. No, both of y'all made some valid points here. Um, there's technically only three head coaching spots left because the Rams probably – no, the Vikings probably going to hire the Rams offensive coordinator there when it's all said and done. So, Eric – <laughs> Yep, Kevin O'Connell. But so apparently Eric Bieniemy is interviewing with the Saints. Uh, Brian Flores is still a finals with the Texans. I mean, if, if the Texans as a trash organization is is what they are, they to me they are the worst organization in football. Uh, they can try to save face and maybe hire Flores, get Deshaun Watson back, and do their thing, maybe. But. We, we know the NFL. I'm not, you know, holding my breath on that. So, all right, we're going to switch gears here. <sighs> NBA All-Star Reserves have been announced. Um, personally, for me, I, I feel like everybody that, that that's basically a reserve deserves to be a reserve. But, um, I mean, every year, you know, you're going to feel like one or two people that, you know, that you probably feel like should have made it, didn't make it. Um, just quickly, your thoughts there. If you give me a second, I will pull up the list unless somebody got a list already. Handy. Um, yeah. So go ahead, bro. Cause I, um, I I actually have, um, a few snubs. All right. So the all-star reserves in the East, we got James Harden, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet. Shout out to Van Vliet. First time appearance in the Rockford area. Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Darius Garland, DG to PG. Shout out to Darius Garland. Personally, for me, he probably should be a starter. The All-Star game mm-hmm. in Cleveland. He deserves it. He's been balling out from the 219 Gary, Indiana. Good, sir. All right. Western Conference, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. 
Now, one of them two should be starting over Wiggins. I'm not, you know, I'm on here. <laughs> uh, totally agree. <laughs> uh, Donovan Mitchell, Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and then really quick before I let y'all go, just to point out, Kevin Durant's probably not going to play. I heard Jason Tatum's supposed to slide into the starter spot, so there's going to be a replacement there. And pretty sure Draymond Green is not going to play, so that's yeah, he announced he's not playing. So that's two replacements right there. So, fellas, uh, thoughts and who 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 you want to see it? Um, go ahead, Brian. Okay, yeah, man. So. Uh, it's been a number of interesting uh, players that has got in for the first time, y'all. And um, I'm kind of loving to see that, you know, we got a few guys that has come in for the first time, such as Wiggins. Um, the Rosen haven't been there in a while. Um, man, <laughs> just watching, like, the stories of some of these guys is great. Um, but I want to make a, a list of a few potential snubs, y'all. And my biggest snub thus far, and he played a fantastic game last night, man. I watched it. I don't know if y'all had a chance to watch that Charlotte and Cleveland game. But I got back, man, and let me tell y'all, fellas, it was fantastic, bro. Cleveland was blowing them out in um, about a minute left. I'm talking about Charlotte just got hot, bro. Just got to the corner, get the, man, three, three straight threes in a row, right? Like, boom, I'm like, dang. Came back, right? Jared Allen did so much. He had a quiet 29 and 22. Okay? Yeah. Uh, I think, y'all, and I don't know about y'all, but I think, yeah, Jamar, that, that's a hell of a response after you got snubbed. And so he made it known, like, yeah, you know, I, I was a little upset, but I'm not voting. You know, I just come out on the court and play and do my part, uh-huh. and, and I leave it at that. And so... I, I want to make a case with Jared Allen in place of Draymond Green. You know, I'm not saying that he can shoot the rock like Draymond Green, but he does a lot on the court, man. He does a lot. And I feel like if we give an Andrew Wiggins a first time, God damn it, with what Cleveland is doing and <laughs> where they are in the game being in Cleveland, he deserves an opportunity, Jamar. Jared Allen deserves an opportunity, man. And so... I want to make a case for him for sure. Another guy I would like to see, I would like to see, oh, and I'm kind of stuck between them, is between Jalen Brown and LaMelo. I want to see LaMelo for entertainment purposes, Jamar. I want to see him in an all-star game for entertainment purposes, but I know who really deserves it is Jalen Brown if I had to choose between them two. LaMelo is going to have his time in an all-star game, and we know that. That's, that'll be probably next year going forward. Um, but on the other hand, Jalen Brown, uh, well, he's, you know, he, it's, it's been him. It's been him, y'all, and, and, you know, his mans. I mean, they are really the only life that Boston has. And so Jalen Brown, a quiet 24, 7, and 3, um, you know, I, I think he deserves an opportunity as well. So I had to go with him as well as uh, Jared Allen. What about yourself, man? Uh... Uh, maybe I got two. I would say I don't know how their team is doing. I don't think their team is doing pretty well, but I would say uh, Javante uh, Murray from the Spurs. He might be uh, he might be a reserve because I know I heard Draymond say on TNT the other night. Um, he got selected, but he won't be playing though. He won't be back from injury. So 
that's possible. Um, and my other one would probably, I would say LaMelo Ball. I would like to see LaMelo Ball. He's been balling this year. Even, um, did Mal, Brid- Mal Bridges get, uh, he's not a reserve, is he? Nope. He didn't get would, there. He, he was, he was another I, I would even like to see Mal, I would even like to see Miles Bridges. Mal Bridges, he's had a, uh, he's had a fantastic year. Well, Michael Jordan gonna have to, he's gonna have to open his, uh, bank book over there in Charlotte. Cause he's having a fantastic year. Those are, those will probably be my three. Yeah, man. And you know what, man? I wish Jamar that Anthony Davis has been healthier a little bit longer because he's been balling out lately. Yeah. AD, y'all been putting up AD numbers. And I know mm-hmm. Lakers ain't been winning, but, you know, um, and I know he's the president of the Glass Fraternity. But um, <laughs> he, when, when, <laughs> when he's on the court, I mean, he definitely putting up them buckets, man. And so, um. President of the Glass Fraternity, Jamar, he, uh, he's been balling out, man. And so Glass Fraternity. <laughs> so, you know, man, I guess, you know, if he was a little bit healthy, I would have loved to see Anthony Davis in that joint too, man. Oh, man. Um, it's like, yeah, Jared, Jared Allen deserves to be an all-star. I'm, I'm pretty sure I overheard uh, Kevin Love in a timeout talking about you a bleeping all-star. You a bleeping all star. He, he so, said that at the end of the game. Yep, after he hit them free throws. I mean, he 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 played lights out all year. Yeah, personally, I would love to see Lamelo Ball, like you said, for entertainment purposes. Like I love seeing point guards and more so playmakers in all star games. I want to see the dimes. I, I, I right. they just bring so much flair to it. I, I want to see it. I also I like love to make see- a play, uh, Jamar. Kick my butt for cutting you off, my brother. I feel like he'll make a play, Jamar, that will have like 10 million views on YouTube, LaMelo Ball. I swear. Absolutely. Like, like I remember a few years ago, one of the Steph Curry that like did the bounce oop to uh to Giannis. I, I remember that. Um, Anthony Edwards, I can't wait to get him in an all-star game in the near future. I feel like yeah. he's gonna put on the show. Yeah. I would love to see it. Love to see it. So so yeah, man. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. And uh, and I know you mentioned, uh, you know, the president of the Glass Fraternity. I'm just wondering how many more games until he's, you know, you know, back sitting, you know, running the show in the Glass Fraternity. It ain't gonna be too much longer. Um, but yeah, man. I I think uh, I think the NBA did did well. But uh, two more picks uh, slots that needs to be filled here. So I'm definitely curious to see who they're gonna pick for that one. Um. Uh, I guess unless we got anything else, we basically much so at the end, because uh, like you've been saying, Brandon, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, there's not really much going on in sports. Uh, I do want to give one shout out to uh, our rookie, our Bulls rookie, uh, I.O. Um, besides the, you know, the the game stealing dunk over two people yesterday, uh, he got made yeah. to, the, uh, to the Young Stars, uh, Rising Stars uh, game as well. I really feel like we had a steal, second round pick. He he he's definitely a first round talent. Yeah, yeah, got stolen in the second round. Um, he has double digit assists in two out the last four games here. This this man is uh, definitely stepping up and providing big minutes for us. Um, when we get healthy, 
I, I mean, we're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs because everybody's going to be experienced and to the point to where they should seamlessly, you know, slide in when, you know, when, you know, when we got to make substitutions and rotations and all that stuff. So shout out to Io on that one. For real, man. Um, I just want to say, Jamar, behind that, when I, when I seen the reserves y'all announced, oh, sorry, when I seen the rising stars for the sophomores and the freshmen, I'm like, Ayo made it for the freshmen. I just wish, I just wish, man, that my 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 Patrick Williams, man, if he was healthy. Yeah. The Bulls would be number one, y'all. We know they'd be a lot better. A yeah. lot better. You think the Bulls doing something right now in first place, y'all? If Patrick Williams was healthy, the Bulls would be far in first place in the East. First and foremost, far. The boy got left. He's scoring the ball. He's going to be a problem, a problem. A serious, serious problem. Uh, I like him compared to Kawhi. I, I, that's that's my comparison for real. On the other hand, I was just thinking, Jamar, like, man, if he was healthy, I would have loved to seen him on the sophomores and him and AO kind of go at it in that game. That been yeah, I would have apparently. So they, they actually included a couple of uh, uh, G League players as well, and. And to my understanding, I think there's like four different squads. So I don't know how they're doing this now, but it, it seems pretty interesting. It's a mix of stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious. Like in, re in recent years, I haven't been as fond of that game like it used to be. But this year, I'm definitely going to tune in because that because I'm curious. New format, uh, including G League players, as we know that some people go straight from high school to the G League. So mm -hmm. give them recognition. So that's that's love. That's love. So. All right, fellas, uh, if we ain't got anything else, I think that might conclude today. All right. Yeah, cool. That's all right. Yeah. Does uh, anybody have any uh, you know, special shout-outs? Um, no, not in particular, no. Uh, yeah, man, I want to um, give a shout-out, man, and, and let uh, her know that I'm going to miss her, Annie Jamar. I'm going to miss our sister, um, Diamond Shields. Um, she got traded, y'all, to the Phoenix Mercury. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, the Phoenix that. Mercury um, played loaded. us in the finals last year. So now they they loading up over in Phoenix, um, <laughs> obviously, right, to come back at us. Uh, yeah. so, um, they got Diamond the Shields, and she looking like she going to be uh, going into that starting lineup, possibly. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we're going to miss you, Diamond the Shields. You a lot of great moments here with the Chicago Sky. And so, um, but we were loading up, too. And so... It's going to be very interesting to watch us versus the number of teams next year. Sure, for sure. Yeah, shout out Diamonds this year. She was definitely a big factor of us winning this past year. Sky finally won one. Uh, but, yeah, so for for Ian, for Brandon, I'm Jamar, Early Morning Sports Talk Podcast next week, uh, getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. We definitely going to be talking a lot of football. So tune in to us then, join our Facebook group, uh, you know, like our page, subscribe. We're on various platforms. Uh, our YouTube channel is going to be up and running for sure. So, so definitely uh, check us out. But until then, peace out, deuces, much love. Peace.